0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. And today, we have some great shows on Sundays, on Thursdays. I look forward to the Tuesday show, though every single week, we look back on this time for week six, look ahead for week seven, you scrape the data, we both watch the games, we figure out the nuance, the details that might have been missed along the way, and we win at the end of it. How you doing, Hayden?
1: Doing good. Fresh haircut. I'm feeling nice and uh, ready to get into the the bye week season.
0: Let's do it. I know you and I were just opining on the fact that we love bye weeks. I know some people hate them this week. Low key, we love them in this show. As you all know, we go running backs, wide receivers, and then tight ends, and it's all based on the fantasy usage model, which for now you can find on underblog.underdogfantasy.com. Go from the top to the middle to the bottom of these lists. And as always, you can get in the chat, communicate with each other, communicate with us as well, ask some questions. Thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, hitting that like and subscribe button as well. Okay, let's get started. And a new name, number one on the list, Hayden, in terms of fantasy usage, Najee Harris. Yes, the rookie first-round pick on the heels of 24 carries for 81 yards six receptions for 46 yards and a touchdown. He is the bell cow. He is the feature back. He is all the buzzwords. What's your view on Najee right now?
1: I think both parties were right. The offensive line sucks narrative is true, but you know what's more true? Getting the rock that many times and getting that many <laughs> targets. So it's right now, there's only two players that are averaging over 20 expected half PPR points. That includes wide receivers too. Number one, Derrick Henry, who's not of this planet. Number two, Najee Harris. So Najee Harris is performing below expectations if you look at his usage. But who cares? Like literally, who cares? Right now, over the last four weeks, he's averaging 23.1 expected half PPR points. You're the bell cow back. You're making uh, some players uh, miss out in space uh, in the screen game. You saw, we'll talk about this in a second, you saw more 12 personnel. I think that the loss of Juju Smith-Schuster may add another target or two to Najee Harris because they're both targeted underneath. So it just lights out stuff from Najee Harris. The eye test, it's certainly passable. The offensive line will not get better. Big Ben will not get better. But so far, it has just not mattered.
0: Right. A couple things here. Narrative in the summer. Oh, this offensive line sucks. Oh, how dare they when that issue is there along with the Big Ben issue, spend a first-round pick on the running back. We cycled those early in fantasy draft season. Then later on, we, re- we realized, okay, 300 plus touches. This is going to work. And Hayden, it's not just like runs up the middle that he's just compiling volume and, you know, lost yardage. I actually think they're doing some fun things with him as well. Bill Barnwell had this tweet in terms of following the dots where they motion out, you know, Najee Harris into the slot that forces a defensive end and outside pass rusher and Vincent Mayoa to follow him in into that alignment throw him the ball, linebacker, edge rusher, cannot catch him, boom, touchdown. We love those catches. We love those targets inside the five-yard line. There was always, to me, this ability and this role that was there based on since Le'Veon Bell left, right? Where for years, you could just dump it off to Le'Veon for like three, four, seven, eight, nine-yard gains, and it was there, and it was working. We're not getting the exact same player. He's not the exact same skill set, but it's close enough for him to be one of those top 2 round running backs that absolutely matters through 6 weeks.
1: Yeah, he's basically like a the second round league winner right now. So he's I expect nothing to change for him. He's just going to be a stable 18 to 22 points and he's going to be no one's coming for him. It's just going to be Najee Harris. So like he it was he was a lights out pick and I think that we should have just put all of our biases aside and just followed the touches cuz we knew this was going to be happening. Um so lesson learned.
0: Let's talk about Ezekiel Elliott now. We know in week one, Thursday night football, running back 46. We didn't know very much at the time, though. We didn't know that Tampa Bay's defense, no one was going to run against them. This was kind of the first guinea pig test. But now we do. Now we do. But then after, then after that, Hayden, you know, a lot of people got frustrated. Oh, I can't believe I took Ezekiel Elliott in the first round since running back 10, running back three, running back 11, running back 18, running back 14. Granted, just one top five running back week in there, but you're getting steady production from a player who is still owning this backfield despite the noise coming from the outside, and you're getting it in one of the best offenses that can win in multiple ways as a great defense that wants to utilize their running game each and every contest.
1: Over the last four weeks, RB6 carries RB14 targets, and he's quietly the two-minute drill back to you. Like You kind of think of like Tony Pollard, the undersized guy, He's not the coming in two-minute drill situations that Zeke Elliott. You know you're gonna get all the rushing touchdowns. You see how uh just I mean they can win in multiple ways. The Cowboys can right now through the first six weeks. A lot of it's been on the ground. They're getting great production from their offensive linemen. So uh Zeke Elliott is he's been solidified as a yep. top five fantasy running back. Currently, there's only a couple players that are averaging more points than him over the entire season. I don't think even as good as Tony Pollard is. This is still Zeke's backfield. Nothing's changed outside of that uh, one wonky Tampa Bay game where everything was working against Zeke Elliott. And we know that was the outlier game in the last four or five weeks are the the baseline production. And it's basically what he had in like 2018, exactly. uh, the beginning of
0: 2019 too. Yeah, 2020 doesn't exist. Out of shape, Zeke doesn't exist anymore. There was a fourth and one or two run that he had this time that he beat a linebacker and defensive back to the edge to pick it up. That's, you know, old school Ezekiel Elliott that we absolutely love. And Hayden, he's being used in the passing game, which was a skill set and a part of his game that I think wasn't talked about enough. Nine targets, seven receptions for 50 yards last week. And until the offensive line gets hurt, until the defense gets worse, this is the type of offense that we should see each and every week and they again have the ability as we talked about our instant reaction show to throw the ball 40 45 50 times if they have to and Zeke is going to be important in that game plan as well. Yep.
1: That that division's really bad too. So you're going to see yep. some some positive game scripts later in the season once again.
0: Okay. DeAndre Swift. This is such a different conversation than the one we just had with Ezekiel Elliott because Hayden and I say this a little bit tongue in cheek but in some ways, this is 2020 Jaden McKissick on steroids. Now, I'll go through a couple layers here because I, I think that's important to do. Now, granted, DeAndre Swift, he has played more snaps each and every week. In week one, it was 68. That dropped down to 56 in week three. And then week six, we go all the way up to 78. But with DeAndre Swift, what you're getting is nine receptions for 39 yards in first halves and 25 receptions for for 256 yards in second halves. As I put out there, 94% of his receiving yards have been accumulated while trailing in ball games. So, yes, one argument could be, hey, if they used him more often, maybe they'd be in closer game scripts early on. I kind of reject that cuz I think this team just absolutely sucks and he's really benefiting for this team absolutely sucking.
1: My spin on it is just, if he's the RB3 in targets, the RB4 in inside the five-yard line opportunities, he's the RB5 in expected uh, half PPR points over the last four weeks. And Jamal Williams is still involved. So if they move away from Jamal Williams, I mean, we're talking about, like, an Alvin Kamara season on a bad team. And we don't really care what the scoreboard is. Like, those points, is count just... Uh, garbage time as they do in neutral situations is just he has the perfect role, all the high value touches. The only touches that he's losing right now to Jamal Williams are the, the low value touches, first and 10 carries in the first quarter. Like those are the ones that we're okay with with giving up. And maybe this this coaching staff just says, all right, F it. We're gonna get DeAndre Swift at an 80, 85% workload. Um, I'm not sure that he's earned that though, just because I think that Jamal Williams is a better. Between the tackles, runner right now. I agree, with um, but it doesn't. That doesn't really matter because we know the lions are never going to be in those game scripts. Right. We know that we just have to say, okay, what are what are the lions in negative game scripts? Because the feisty lions that that is not going to happen anymore. They lost too many good players. Like all of their good players on defense are gone. So the lion season is only going to get worse and worse in my opinion. Yeah. So I think that the TJ Hawkinson, the DeAndre Swift, garbage time stuff, like. That's the baseline now, and I think we have to just completely adjust our expectations.
0: Yeah, once again, they're on like their fourth, fifth, and sixth defenders. Yeah, in in some spots, there and is Linden. no right. Yeah, there is no way for them to turn the corner as this goes along. I think we will have to reset somewhat our evaluations and perspective as we hit this offseason looking into next year, because the lines don't want to be the team that is allowing DeAndre Swift to get all this production in the way he's getting it right now. I think that's a very fair statement. To say, Um, I mean, he's the only player in the NFL with over 300 yards after the catch this season with 318 because it's a lot of short passes that he's still breaking tackles. To your point there with Jamal Williams, I mean, DeAndre Swift has three missed tackles, excuse me, as a rusher, 13 missed tackles as a receiver. I think they clearly, as you alluded to, are going to continue to use Jamal Williams, but none of these negatives matter just in the current state of the Lions. It's so tough for me to like, think of a team this poorly supporting a player this successfully like this in the off season. And Hayden, as we head into 2022, it's going to be your job to get me to understand that players can succeed on bad teams because it's a uh, blind spot to me. Cause I, I'm just such a positive person, Hayden, that I I don't think that the lines want to be like this, but we all want DeAndre Swift to be like this. If that makes sense. Yeah.
1: We we're doing the, the James White, JD McKissick, Uh, study this offseason on how bad wide receivers are impact the the running back targets because like it's so obvious to me and we're seeing with jd mckissick we'll get to him in a second again
0: yeah to those of you like shirley in the chat wondering if he should be selling him i would say no because again as we just alluded to the lions absolutely suck they are going to absolutely suck nothing is changing The quarterback actually is in a very friendly environment, in my opinion, with open wide receivers, and he's not pulling the trigger, not throwing down the field. And in situations again in fourth quarters and second halves when they're trailing, just close your eyes for the first half. Well, close your eyes for the whole thing, but at least expect those numbers to show up on your fantasy scoreboards in the second half, and especially in the fourth quarter, because that's when the volume is happening. Okay. James Robinson, Hayden, last four games. 17 carries on average per game, three receptions on average per game against the Miami Dolphins. He had 17 carries for 73 yards and a score, three catches for 28 yards and a score. Let's talk about it. Is this another one where we're getting closer to 2020 James Robinson, who again painted the narrative for that season at the running back position in terms of your league winners?
1: Hell yeah, we are. 86% snaps last week. Over the last four games here, the running backs are averaging more half PPR points. Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley on like limited work workload, uh, Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Zeke Elliott, and Najee Harris. Like, I mean, he's has the exact role that he had last year and he's running with his head cut off and he it just keeps getting yards after contact and he's yeah. grading top five and all of the efficiency stats. And he's just a, a total baller. Like He's got to be one of the the best players to root for, just undrafted. Uh, They bet against him again. New coaching staff comes in, they bet against him, and then here he comes again doing everything for him. So uh, they've removed Carlos Hyde from from the the lineup. They're trying to become a little more balanced on offense after just getting destroyed in the first two weeks. And if Trevor Lawrence gets better and better as the season goes on, we should expect more goal line carries. We should expect uh, him to have more neutral game scripts And if they ever do get behind, we know that it's going to be James Robinson over him. So I think that for the rest of the season, I think it's time to call him a top 12 running back. And I just think it's, it's getting very close to the last year production.
0: Yeah, absolutely love that. I think it might be fair to wonder if we've seen the worst of the Jaguars this season like yes. on and off the field in terms of those early season turnovers from Trevor Lawrence, when he was getting used to the speed of the game, the weird and crazy usage between James Robinson and Carlos Hyde, and obviously everything off the field with urban Meyer. So if the worst is behind us and we're getting this usage right now, then hopefully that just sustains because again, this coaching staff, even though Daryl Buffalo has been you know in the league forever and called offenses. We actually like for a while. Um, they had to get used to this personnel. In this, and it's so clear that James Robinson and Trevor Lawrence is turning the corner too. He is now Seahawks, Bills, Colts, 49ers in the next four weeks. So, you know, the Bills game might be tough, but the rest, we should still expect yeah. our typical James Robinson output. I think that's yeah. very fair. Yeah, that's very fair. Uh, okay, next up, sticking at the running back position, it's time for Leonard Fournette. So much conversation, Hayden, about Daryl Henderson. Right, Felisa, that Daryl Henderson, if you draft him early in best ball summer, even after the Cam maker's injury, he is a game changer in fantasy drafts. As we suggested after the Ronald Jones debacle, after Gio Bernard's injury, what we have now with Leonard Fournette is 28 freaking touches against the Philadelphia Eagles. Two touchdowns, 127 yards. He has at least three receptions per game. Leonard Fournette down the stretch of the rest of the season should be locked into your fantasy lineups because he's dependable. He's responsible and he gets it done. in one of the best offenses in the league
1: Fournette had the most expected half PPR points of any position last week, not including quarterbacks. Wow. I, don't, I don't do the fantasy usage model for quarterbacks, but let it the entire position with 26.1. All of a sudden he's now uh, the RB nine over the last four weeks in usage the RB 13 in actual scoring. And the eye test to me is just like this guy's not the same. This is not the same compiler Leonard Fournette. He's running you over. And the bigger note is last week Giovanni Bernard's now back for the last two weeks. Last week, Gio ran a route on 10 of 43 re- dropbacks. And if you look at it, it's basically only the two minute drill when it's uh, a regular third down Leonard Fournette's out there. And that was not the case uh, the first couple games, and now we're getting like some some uh, reports that maybe Ronald Jones is, like a trade candidate because they don't they don't want him. Um, so I, I think that Leonard Fournette, this is this is for real, and the offensive line's cooking, and he's playing on all the the passing situations too. So this is this is kind of like a James Robinson type of player where uh, it might have taken us a couple weeks to adjust, but I think it's now time to fully adjust the ranks and start calling him a top fifteen fantasy running back with like top five, top six, top seven upside on a given
0: week. Yeah. Like, am I done personally commenting on like Leonard Fournette during the regular season? Absolutely. Because like for the stretch of 17 games, he's going to get it done. I mean, is he dependable? Yes. Is he a tell when he's on the field? No, but like Gio is Ronald Jones is right. Is this offense? Awesome. We talk about it every single week. It absolutely is with this offensive line with pass catchers and with the quarterback that can get you into advantageous positions when the defense calls for it with, you know, personnel in the box. And he's, is he like the most likely running back to get those high value goal line touches when they elect not to throw, which we talked about last week that there are a lot inside the five yard line, maybe more than anyone else in the NFL. That's, that's Leonard Fournette right now. And I know that he was going, I think nine spots at the running back position after Ronald Jones, but truly, I wouldn't be surprised if we look back in week seventeen and consider Leonard Fournette one of the big, big difference makers from what week three and on this entire season. He was the
1: zero RB guy that you needed, I think. Like yep. it's just yes. and that's crazy because I, I wonder how many of the zero RB guys were circling the, the Leonard Fournette name because that is like not the name that those guys typically like. <laughs> so it's like, who was drafting Leonard Fournette? Whoever that group is, I don't I can't put a name on it, but that yeah. group is just printing right now. And I think that you and I were were a little ahead of Leonard Fournette. Like once like the the, a the, Ronald, spots the, the well, even like earlier this season, when Ronald Jones was missing those those uh, pass blocks, yeah, and Leonard Fournette was looking a little bit spicier on the edge, I think that we were like, okay, you can see how this can just go lights off. And I, I agree with you, they do pass the ball inside the five guard line way more. Right. But they also get to the five yard line way True. more than everybody else. So, like, you can say, "Oh, they pass the ball to Mike Evans a lot down there." Well, that's because they also have ten plays down there when everyone else has like four or five.
0: Totally, we did have him over Ronald Jones. I did go back and check that. So, little tick there. We should have had them Lenny, many higher though. Um, let's talk about the Packers' backfield because Hayden, we're seeing AJ Dillon get at least ten touches in three straight games, but just one touchdown. On the season. We know the Packers have invested a lot in AJ Dillon. I'll talk a little bit about Aaron Jones in just a moment, but lay out where this backfield is. And since we are hitting once again the bipocalypse is Aaron Jones, excuse me, is AJ Dillon possibly worthy of a slotting year?
1: I think in the, the by apocalypse, he is. He's the RB36 of the last four games. He only has one game, and there's that game where he got those four random targets on 10 routes. Uh, of more than 7.6 expected half DPR points. But you can kind of see how A.J. Dillon, they can start using him a little bit more. Every single time they put him on the field, I think that he looks good. So I think that the Packers need massive blowouts for A.J. Dillon to get involved. But just based off of the eye test, I think that A.J. Dillon looks like a legit player. So um, it hasn't really impacted Aaron Jones all that much yet. I'm not even sure if it will. I think that this offense, because they don't throw to any of their secondary receivers. And we'll talk about Robert Tanya in a little bit. They're not throwing him the ball either. I think it's just like Devontae Adams, then Aaron Jones. And then you kind of get into your A.J. Dillons, who's like a secondary piece of his offense, but he's at least making the most of his
0: opportunities. I'm totally with you. Whenever A.J. Dillon gets the ball, he looks great. And I do wonder, because there are two split backfields that people talk about all the time and we kind of compare them to. One, it's the Browns where both have chances to be you know, top 20 running backs every single week, right, in, in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt when healthy. We'll get to that backfield in a moment. Then the other one is the Cowboys, where it kind of feels like an either-or dynamic outside of maybe one or two or three weeks for the entire season. If you were to suggest which backfield this one was closer to on those sides, which one would you say?
1: Tony Pollard, because you can't play Tony Pollard if you're playing Tony Pollard and you're playing AJ Dillon, your team's pretty effed. But I think in the bye weeks, especially like the next couple of bye weeks that are just complete hell, I think that they at least get enough production to kind of slide in there. Um, but like typically, like even like the AJ Dillon as as impressive as he's been, you'd still want to find the like wide receiver four over AJ Dillon. So um great guys to have. I think that it would it'll be very interesting to see if they ever if Aaron Jones misses time, if they will get AJ Dillon a three down roll or not because they were using him in the past game a little bit more, uh, but just not that many routes still. So um, this conversation was kind of pointless. I just kind of wanted to give a little credit to AJ Dillon. He looks, he looks pretty good on tape.
0: It's not pointless. I just think part of it is if Aaron Jones didn't exist, then AJ Dillon would be smashing. But Aaron Jones is also like a top, Five, seven, 10 talent at the running back position overall, and is doing things that maybe AJ Dillon can't do. And so there's no reason to lessen his load or move off of him in any dynamic because, as we talked about in the instant reaction show, he's definitely going to get home. Okay. Let's talk about the Browns running backs. You and I, multiple times this season, talked about Nick Chubb, have talked about Kareem Hunt. Both have been tremendous when on the field, at least to us, even though Nick Chubb didn't find the end zone for a while. Now, Thursday night football against the Denver Broncos. Nick Chubb, out. Kareem Hunt, injured reserve. Hayden, bring in Dearness Johnson, bring in Demetriot Felton. How do you view this backfield as we head into Thursday Night Football and the waiver Wires tonight? They they used Dearness Johnson as a pure running back, and they've used
1: Felton as kind of like a gadget wide receiver. I think that they'll move Felton to running back, but the fact that they've had – D. Ernest Johnson in the backfield ahead of Felton this year suggest that he's going to be the starter. I also want to note that when Kevin Stefanski says he's the starter, that probably yeah. means he's the starter. <laughs> so I think we have the answer here. I think that um, it, Nick Chubb, D. Ernest Johnson and then Felton Kareem hunt rule kind of going there. It's uh, just not That's as good. They're
0: just not just as about good.
1: 30%. Yeah. Each. Um, uh, go ahead. This is like a one-game Thursday now. Like, I think like the, the bigger storyline here is what the Browns are gonna decide to do with Kareem Hunt. We had the Ian Rappaport report called this a four to six week injury. Well, the Browns have six games and then they're bye-week. And this mm. was a pretty scary calf injury. And if we look at just calf injuries in general, these things kind of could linger. So I, I wouldn't be that surprised if Kareem Hunt didn't play until after the bye week. And that would be like week 14. So we might have a couple weeks here where we got full chub and I can't wait for full chub. I think this is like the one thing where he's paying off as a second round pick, but full chub is like Dalvin cook. And I think that like the next five weeks, if we can get Nick chub healthy again, it's, it's time to go off.
0: How dare you? This is a family show. Hayden. Did I go back? Am I a crazy person? And I watch say, yeah. all of Dearness Johnson's four touches this season? I 100% did. Did I even go back to 2020 and watch his game of 13 carries for 95 yards against the Dallas Cowboys? Of course I did, Hayden. And what we saw was a lot of power runs, a lot of outside runs, putting his foot in the dirt and uh, and getting up the field. Does he have you know that game-breaking speed of explosive plays that we have seen from Nick Chubb? No. Does he have the rare tackle-breaking on contact ability that Kareem Hunt has? No, but can he be productive in an offense if he gets 13 touches or 15 or 17? Yes. Now also the big concern is both tackles are missing. And this is a team whose identity we've talked about. It's a machine. It's to run the ball. It's play action. It's make things somewhat simple for Baker Mayfield, maybe ask him to make two or three big time throws per game. That becomes so much more difficult. And we don't know if these players are out yet. Like, we don't know if Jack Conklin or Jedrick Wills are out yet, even though they missed this, this past weekend and we saw what happened. But what if, like, more responsibility has to go on Baker Mayfield's shoulders against the Broncos defense that got torched by Derek Carr just a little bit ago? And that Baker Mayfield did not look good last week and then is also coming off a, a hard landing on that hurt shoulder as well. So that's definitely, definitely something to monitor. But is this the week, if there ever was one, to prioritize Dearness Johnson 100%? And Hayden, I also want to bring up that this team elevated John Kelly from the practice squad and John Kelly fucking forever. (laughs) Tell me about him. What what should I expect? Oh, my gosh. John Kelly, I can't believe he's never had like a legit opportunity in the NFL. Maybe, maybe this is it. This is a guy who was at Texas, excuse me, Tennessee, who was... So much fun to watch a tackle breaker, a guy who's a skateboarder who can win on contact, has good balance. John Kelly is one of those team preseason players that I will never, ever, ever forget. Maybe he gets an opportunity here. Who knows? We'll see. It'd be fun. Okay. Let's talk about Chuba Hubbard. The Panthers talk about executing their own vision, Hayden, and resetting our prior beliefs on this team. Um, it's week seven. Now the head coach after almost complete meltdowns, the last two weeks goes out there and says, we are going to redefine who we are and we're going to run the football that they came into the season, wanting to establish the run, but have gotten away from it. Matt rule wants to see Hayden 30 to 33 carries a game. To me, this is a strong indication of how they feel about their offensive line pass protecting, how they feel about their quarterback under duress or when holding on the football or being confused and forcing bad decisions. I will never understand this mindset of saying, hey, we have to get 30 or 33 carries out there. But it would make more sense if Christian McCaffrey's your running back. I just think this shows you the lack, total lack of confidence Matt Rule has in his team right now to execute anything off script. Two major
1: problems. Sam Darnold is late on everything. I just watched this game again. Some of those Robbie Anderson drops, it's because he was running sideways forever. And then he's like getting close to the sideline. And then, like, finally, he gets the ball. And the, he, a lot of those interceptions, it's not good for Sam Darnold. And the, the bigger issue is they got a spaghetti strain in our offensive line. This is just letting everything right through. And that's yep. been hurting Chuba Hubbard. He's the RB 53 in fantasy points. Over expected. He's super inefficient. He has RB15 fantasy usage over the last four weeks. Um, but he's only playing 65% of the snaps last week. They're getting another uh player involved in the pass game. So I think Chuba Hubbard himself looks fine. He's he's passable, but in this environment, it's gonna be an uphill battle. I would call him like 80% Mike Davis from last year, where you're not getting like the top the five, bad. yeah, like the top five workload. And I don't think that he's as elusive out in space as Mike Davis is. Um, so we'll see. I think that right now he's he's a, a volume-based RBT. 2 You love to have him for this week in the bi-week hell because you know what you're getting from him. But it's just like this is just not the right environment. I think that's
0: because mostly because Sam Darnold. And people brought up the drops by Robbie Anderson. I think he had three. I think DJ Moore might have had two or three as well. He did. Juba Hubbard had two himself. And we've talked about Chuba Hubbard not being a great receiving back in recent weeks, but they're giving him that role. They're giving him the entire backfield at this moment. And I think they just have to. They they set themselves up for this situation, and it's it's just what they have to live in. They have the Giants, the Falcons, and the Patriots over the next three weeks. We know Christian McCaffrey's out for at least two of those games. Who knows what that situation is? But again, so much optimism about this Panthers team through three games. Defense, that's crumbling due to Injuries as well. They have to somehow right the ship in the middle of a downfall and a downturn, and that's so difficult to do yeah. in the NFL. When a lot of other teams are improving around the league,
1: the far. one play that stood out with the Sam Darnold was that Terrace Marshall slant route, where it was like an RPO. Sam Darnold drops back is way late, is staring down Terrace Marshall the entire time, then throws it high, and then the the free safety comes and just knocks his head off. Yeah. And that's just like all all on Sam Darnold. Like every single bit of that was late. It was high. It was staring down. It was like the trifecta. And then he gets uh Terrace Marshall a concussion. So it's just, we haven't seen the improvements. Um, I, I did see him run for like 40 yards again, which is right. chaotic again. And that throw
0: to Ian Thomas down yeah, the scene. With you beautiful can see too.
1: It. You can, right. this is how like USC and the, and the and that Rose Bowl, they were down a million points because of these Sam Darnold plays. And then he has the craziness where he can go beat, Penn State with all these downfield throws scrambling in the pocket. So it's chaos. He's like a, a, a Jameis
0: Winston type of player um, in, in a little bit of a different way. Yeah. Held the ball for 7.19 seconds on the first play of the game on, on the interception. Look, not saying it's all his fault. It's the offensive line's fault too. But like when the offensive line plays well, then Sam doesn't too. As the listeners, as the viewers know, I would be stunned if the Panthers are not back in the quarterback market this offseason. For sure, they will be. Yeah, let's jump to Josh Jacobs, the name you asked me to write down here. Hayden, to me, Josh Jacobs is the most boring man in fantasy football 17 touches, 82 yards, and a score. Why is his name on this list?
1: RB14 carries, 100% of the goal line work, and then uh, 49% of the routes since his return. And I think the offensive line is just going to get better with um, Alex Leatherwood. So this can be quick, but I think that Kenyon Drake is mixing in a little bit on passing downs, but. I think that Josh Jacobs has a little bit more of a passing projection than maybe we would have thought. And the Raiders offense is still playing pretty well. So um, I think that he's firmly an RB2. Like I think we were drafting him more like a RB2-3. I think like right now he's like, put him in your RB18, don't move him, and then you're going to get a couple weeks where he turns into a top 12 guy when the Raiders are are, um, leading a little bit.
0: Let's talk about the Bills backfield now, because just as everyone was getting to the point of feeling confident in starting Zach Moss, then we see Devin Singletary just look better on the field based on the eye test. I talked about DeAndre Swift early on, how 94% of his receiving production comes when the team is trailing. It's almost the opposite here with Zach Moss Hayden. When leading, he has 42 carries for 160 yards and three touchdowns eight receptions for 73 yards and another score when trailing or tied just 12 carries for 48 yards, two catches for 36 yards. So last night's game script kind of mattered in terms of his output here. We expect the bills to be great and we expect them to be leading far more often than when they're tied or when they're trailing. What's your read on this backfield?
1: 54% of the snaps last week for Zach Moss, 45 for Devin Singletary so you you nailed it when when the game script is positive it's gonna be Zach Moss and when it's neutral or negative they're gonna be kind of mixing in so I don't think that we'll ever see Devin Singletary kind of be like in the mix as like an RB2 I think that in some game scripts like when the Bills were like what favored by like 14 points against the Texans like that's when he is a legitimate uh RB2 but I think for the most part he's gonna be pretty low ceiling very touchdown dependent and I think that he's probably Rank them the RB22, depending on the the bye week situation.
0: Khalil Herbert time. I don't think it's a stretch to say, Hayden, that with David Montgomery out, Khalil Herbert is easily a must start. But even when Damien Williams gets back, Khalil Herbert should own this backfield job. Now, Damien Williams would come in there for certain situations and is most likely the better passing down back, but what we are getting with Khalil Herbert is that I believe he had 89% of the team's snaps last week and has 37 carries over his last two games. This is exactly what we wanted to see from a rookie who didn't have a lot of buzz heading into the year, but it's so clear that the Bears trust him and the commentators and the announcers were saying that the entire game.
1: He had another great uh, cutback for a big game, too. So that's just what that's what his MO is. I think he can actually run between the tackles pretty well. And I think if you just look at the splits from the first game without David Montgomery, he had 10.7 expected half PPR points. Of note, though, he had the two minute drill. And I think that's important because mm. if Damian Damian Williams isn't going to get the two minute drill and Khalil Herbert's running this well between the tackles, I don't know. I'm going I'm to have to see. We'll follow the, the news, but I wouldn't be that surprised if Khalil Herbert is the slightly better fantasy play when Damian comes back from the COVID list. But um, without Damian Williams, Khalil Herbert, I think is locked into the RB two range. He had 14 expected half PPR points and you're showing the play here. This is, it's just good vision. It's good timing. And he is plenty physical enough uh, to put his head down too. So I, I think that Khalil Herbert is somebody in dynasties definitely has my attention um, just because I I think that he can play a little bit.
0: I mean, he's becoming a real identity of this team while David Montgomery is out. We're going to get to Allen Robinson in a moment, but if you put out there and say like, who's dependable week to week on offense right now, Cleo Herbert might be number one on the list, even comparing him to Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson, which uh, that is saying a lot based on where we're at here. In, uh, in week seven, but his play, his play absolutely just a shout out Brett Coleman. Brett Coleman was a huge, huge Khalil Herbert fan. Okay. Another backfield that's gone through some turmoil as of late Hayden, the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's talk about it. 21 carries for 62 yards and two touchdowns for Daryl Williams last week, three catches for 27 yards. We discussed it prior to week six. How much of a difference was the talent than CEH? And if that's not the case, or if it is the case, then what is the role going to give you? Well, what we saw was Darrell Williams had two carries inside the five-yard line and had two touchdowns. I mean, this is a great offense that was in a great matchup, and it hit home, even if, like, the yards per carry or whatever wasn't huge. Darrell Williams in a situation to shine, just like – I think we can say now an average to above average talent CH was getting home, not based on his own accord, but by, you know, being elevated by the offense.
1: Daryl Williams getting a, a slightly bigger role than the Clyde Edwards Alaire role was getting because there is no Daryl Williams behind Daryl Williams, right? You know, so he's getting more inside the five carries. He's also getting a little bit more of the passing game work. And that's how he got a 19.8 expected half PPR performance out of the first game. So uh, Daryl Williams is, is legit. I think that the, there's not that big of a, a, a difference between CH and Darrell Williams on the field. And with Kansas city being, I believe second in PFS run blocking grade right now, I think that he's going to be able to find the end zone and teams are just daring the chiefs to give the, these running backs a couple touches per game. So um,
0: I think that he's squarely in the upside RB two mix, especially during bye weeks, right time, right place, right offense. And don't get me wrong though. Like Darrell Williams had some good plays. He was trusted on fourth and one, to convert on their own side of the field in just the 11th, like in the fourth minute of the game. And he did that. Um, he made people miss on a first and 10 screen. The second touchdown, he went untouched because he pressed the front side of the hole and worked back in the middle of the field. Dare Williams is, is in your lineup. Point yep. blank period. Yep. Easy. Washington backfield. Just what we had feared. We had seen Antonio Gibson still stay on the field despite the reported stress fracture in his tibia. But then late in the game, Scott Turner, Ron Rivera took. Antonio Gibson out because it was load management. It was injury management. He was wearing down. That might happen more frequently as we go forward. So what do we have now? Hayden, we have nine half point road dogs. The Washington football team is the green Bay Packers and we're on the heels of a Jaden McKissick, eight carry 45 yard game, 10 targets, eight catches for 65 yards. I'm having deja vu
1: he had a season high 12.9 expected half PPR points last week because Gibson was missing some time. And I think just going back to the off season, JD McKissick wanted to lift some more weights so he can be a three down back. And that's what he was when Antonio Gibson missed out Jared Patterson, their rookie. um, Some people like him. He can run between the tackles a little bit. Uh, He had one carry. So this could be a a situation where JD McKissick is in a massive role, especially when the game scripts uh, going his way. So Very, very curious to see what Washington football team is going to do with Antonio Gibson. They need him, but this is a situation where it's kind of like the Conor McGregor, if you guys are UFC fans, where he knew he had a shin injury and then he was just playing on it, playing on it, and then disaster happened. So they either need to give him time off or they're rolling the dice with them and it's going to be a pain management situation. And I I think both situations are bad. You're either not getting Antonio Gibson for three-plus weeks or he's going to be playing at a lower um, volume than you're used to. And even like the last four weeks, he's the RB 27 in fantasy usage. And that's when he's been playing and getting the goal line carries. So this is not um, a like legitimate RB two. I think that even when he's out there, it's going to be very boom bust. And I think that there could be setbacks on the whole thing. I want like yeah. no part of this. And I want like all the parts of JD McKissick. They need JD McKissick because all of a sudden the, the receiving options are really bad again.
0: I mean, it's also somewhat dependent on your scoring PPR versus non-PPR. But even with that, Hayden, I I guess the simple answer to answer Shirley's question here between Jarrett Patterson and and JD McKissick. McKissick is is the easy answer because we know this defense can't stop anyone. They're going to be in negative game scripts. McKissick is trusted in the role of a pass catcher no matter what. And while Jarrett Patterson, they obviously like him. He has some talent to him. A target is always more valuable than a carry, especially for a team that might not have a whole bunch of opportunities inside the five-yard line, J.D. McKissick is the clear answer to me for this.
1: I wouldn't rule out like 65% plus snaps for J.D. McKissick if Antonio Gibson misses out. I don't want to only label him as a, passing a down third player. down back. I think he he's kind of like that Naeem Hines where he's just big enough yeah. to kind of play both roles in in a, in a pinch. And I think that um, they 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 really like J.D. McKissick. So I think that he's he's definitely somebody to go
0: after if you can buy low on him. Okay, there's a few more names I have here. Devontae Booker, Miles Gaskin. With Devontae Booker, it just makes sense that he's still owning this backfield. Anything else you want to say there?
1: Andrew Thomas went to injured reserve, and the rest of line is really bad. So this is a situation where it's all <laughs> volume, but it's it, they're tattered. So he's had like RB2 fantasy usage without Saquon, but there's like basically five non-starting NFL linemen for the Giants right now.
0: Only three point underdogs here at home against the Carolina Panthers. A shocking total of 43, though, but we've seen worse. We've seen worse this year. Uh, Miles Gaskin, we saw him come down to earth, Hayden. I think part of that, obviously not playing the Bucs, a game plan we should have seen coming where they're not going to run against them. So Jacob Brissett has a tiny intended air yards per throw. Miles Gaskin made a lot of sense in that game. And then now, after his fumble, basically split the backfield with Savon Ahmed and Malcolm Brown
1: splitting it 25 uh snaps for gaskin 25 for malcolm brown 19 for self and Ahmed. so basically a 33 split uh in all three directions going back 10 targets against the bucks in all the other games 4.4 and we've seen the dolphins suddenly they're now third in neutral pass rate they're not going to run the ball at all this year like that just yeah. it's not going to happen so it's just harder harder to see miles gaskin um pay off that much especially when it's, uh Will Fuller and, and Devontae Parker get back.
0: Denver Broncos running backs talk about splitting backfields. They have been doing it all season long. We, we talked about this, I think, on the game-by-game game preview show last week. We'll have another one this Thursday, every single Thursday, here on this very YouTube channel, where, because he's a rookie, second-round pick, loves to break tackles, he's explosive. Everyone is just assuming at some point, Devontae Williams is going to take over this backfield. One... Doesn't seem like the Broncos want that to happen because they keep putting Melvin Gordon out there. Melvin Gordon's playing well, which is also another factor in this. So is that your same view that you have here?
1: You can make a better YouTube highlight tape out of Javante Williams runs. Like there's no arguing that, but the regular runs just like an inside zone and outside zone, just hitting the right hole. That's where Melvin Gordon just has them. And if you look at EPA per carry, Melvin Gordon is at minus 0.01, which is actually pretty good for for running backs. And Javante Williams is minus 0.2 so it's not even close when you look at epa per carry and i think that as long as that happens you're going to see melvin gordon start second drives javante third drive mg3 and keeps going back and forth back and forth and ultimately melvin gordon's going to have a touch more snaps per game and i don't think that is going to change until we see more consistency from javante but like long term like we've got to remember very young player yes and he's Got the explosiveness, the elusiveness is all there. This is just baby steps, so maybe we get a post-buy rookie bump from Javante Williams, but I think that MG3 is is handling himself plenty well enough to kind of maybe limit the the ceiling out of
0: Javante Williams, at least for like the next month or so. The Seattle Seahawks play on Monday night football against New Orleans Saints, five-point home dogs to New Orleans. Some running back shakeups here. We saw Chris Carson leave with an injury. Now Alex Collins, who got like 20 carries over hundred yards is also banged up. So Hayden, what's your view again, Monday. So the news might be delayed a little bit, but DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, both got some run in that game too.
1: Yeah. It, and Rashad Penny could be activated True. off in reserve, reserve at any, at any point. We don't know his status. Chris Carson. Just the only thing I have is this Chris Carson neck injury is it's close to like the T Y Hilton neck injury where he missed a lot of time. So not a good situation, especially for a running back. So I have I have some interest in Rashad Penny in deeper formats. I have him in a 12-team league and I'm just like holding on for dear life. Um, I can see them trying to get Rashad Penny going later in the season.
0: Before we move on, we don't have this name written down, but I I do some radio interviews throughout the week, and every single one that I've done so far has brought up how Ramondre Stevenson should be seeing more touches, or possibly taking over the Patriots' backfield. So I know a lot of our listeners, viewers care about this Patriots' backfield and care about Ramondre Stevenson because he was a buzzworthy name this offseason. What you and I, and I don't want to speak for you, I'll speak for myself here, keep bringing up, is that in every single situation where this team, and there were some that arguably should have happened, could have moved on from Damian Harris. They haven't. Fumble. Fumble near the goal line. Injuries. Every single time he's gotten healthy, he's been back thrusted into the lead running back spot. So to me, Ramondre Stevenson is going to be closer to like a James White touch total, which is what we saw last week of eight touches per game. And meanwhile, Damian Harris had 19 touches. I think that that's the balance we're going to see more and more because still Ramondre Stevenson cannot be trusted in passing down situations. Now, he was clearly used as a receiver and some really cool scripted things for him down the field, but Damian Harris is their best runner at the moment, and he's the more trusted player at the moment.
1: He's just the more trusted player. Like, I think it's as simple as that, and if you just look at PFF grades, he Ramondre Stevenson's 59th out of 69 qualifying running backs, so he's not like putting that much pressure on Damian Harris. I view him strictly as an insurance option. And even if Ramondre goes out there and takes Damian Harris's job, like what he's going to be an RB two, maybe like, I don't know. I don't get the excitement for him. Like I, I I see the flashes and he's a big dude. Love that stuff. But if this isn't like the team that you're trying to invest that much in, like best case, he turns into Damian
0: Harris, which is like cool, but like, whatever. Hey, it's very cool. It can be very cool in certain moments before we move on to wide receivers, all of you who are here. Right now, yes. Talking to you, Tony, Devin, Powell, Shirley, Colton, our friends. Sixty percent of you who watch our content are not subscribed. Change that. We're here Tuesdays, Thursdays at five thirty, and then Sundays at ten a.m. to help set your perfect lineups, and then also an instant reaction show at seven thirty Eastern after the four o'clock games are over, and clips throughout the week. Plus, we got a whole bunch of basketball content. On this channel now with worldwide Wob, so be sure to smash that like and subscribe button down below. And if you're ever interested in playing an underdog fantasy, name of the pick 'em, free ten dollars. Use promo code the show. Skip the guacamole. Like AJ Brown should have, we wouldn't have gotten that poo- food poisoning shit if he had just <laughs> skipped the guacamole, put it into underdog, and gotten a free ten bucks. All right, wide receiver time, Hayden. Let's start off with the. Giants wide receivers. First, I need to bring up our man, Kadarius Toney. He played six snaps, saw three targets, and converted it, I believe, for 39 yards. I mean, he was in on a third and 14 as the far left wide receiver. Easy 16-yard completion. Second catch was a stack with Sterling Shepard. Screen reception. Third catch far right on the hash marks jukes the shit out of his defender, picks up another first down, then has to leave because he broke his own ankle. I'm just kidding. That's, that wasn't the, the diagnosis. But in his absence, what we got was wide receiver one fancy usage out of Sterling Shepard.
1: Yeah, he, he can't even control his own ankles. It's it's too sad. Uh, we did get a beat report of coming out of New York saying that it's, quote, more serious than a simple sprain. And I think that the, the Twitter doctors were telling me that, when, you, when a player is like tr- telling the coach, hey, put me in, I'm good enough to play. And then he leaves that early. The coach is like, you're not playing until you're healthy now. Like, you, you can't do us that dirty and only have a couple wide receivers. And we'll get to him in a second. All of a sudden, in, in the fantasy usage model, I see Dante Pettis coming in here hot uh, <laughs> because he ran a route on 42, 58 uh, dropbacks and got heavily targeted. But we're burying the lead here right now. Number one in the fantasy usage model, this is a one week sample. Be careful out there, Sterling Shepard. And if you look back, Sterling Shepard in his three healthy games, he's had 12.2, 16.8, and 18.5 expected half PPR points. We don't know what Kenny Galladay is doing. We know that Sterling Shepard is good at the game, inside-outside versatility. And there's just no one else to throw the ball to. I'm expecting Kadarius to miss some time. Kenny Galladay can miss another week or two. We still don't know Saquon's like we, there's been very little reporting on Saquon Barkley and the number two receiver is Dante Pettis. Like I think Sterling Shepard is going to be a, I don't know who, who they're playing next week, but top 15, is that crazy? Top 20. I mean, he's getting peppered with targets and there's nobody else to throw the ball to. And the giants defense we expected to be kind of frisky this year has been like bottom five in, in points allowed.
0: Panthers, playing the Panthers, possible, uh, yeah. Sterling Shepard. To me, what I took from it, because hopefully Tony does come back at some point, is that they realize Sterling Shepard is at his best in the slot, and that's where he's also getting most of his fantasy points. So, there we go. There it is from Tuan. I just want Tony back and back. Sterling Shepard's a lot of fun though. Like that's a nice little tandem. That's a really nice little tandem.
1: Both are better than Kenny
0: Galladay. I totally. Agree with that one. Okay. Next up. Antonio Brown. We had a question in the chat earlier about Antonio Brown. Hayden. It can get sticky talking about people like Antonio Brown, because he has done some awful, awful things in the past few weeks, but on the field, what we you're getting is the hall of fame level talent. Once again, from Antonio Brown, I mean, in short little spaces, He's running away from people. And I think, and tell me if you saw something differently. In a lot of areas of the game, I think he's becoming Tom Brady's favorite wide receiver out there. His his primary target.
1: Those stats are off the charts. And he's actually number four in PFF grade among wide receivers. Number four. And he's number seven in fantasy points above expected. He's just... I mean, just balling out. And what's so crazy is I was looking at just like the per game numbers for the Buccaneers passing offense. They're averaging 45 pass attempts, 340 yards and 2.8 passing touchdowns per game. So shout out to Tom Brady, who is firmly in the MVP conversation and all of these guys could eat. So I think that the one thing of note, though, is when Gronk returns, they do tend to go more 12 personnel in the red zone. So maybe. You have to dock a couple uh, points in the projections for Antonio Brown, but, but he is like not back back, but he's at least back to like being an Antonio Brown level player. And he's just running by everybody right now.
0: Look at these routes. I mean, these routes are, are rare, a rare combination of winning at just about every single level on inside, outside stop vertical routes. It's, it's absolutely all there. And with Tom Brady playing like he is right now, there is no way that I'm trying to move Antonio Brown as the season goes along, despite them being absolutely loaded and despite them getting Gronk back. So uh, he's a, it's crazy. He's playing so well. Bill's wide receivers, Hayden. A couple things here. Dawson Knox, broken hand through touchdown pass with that broken hand. We've seen Dawson Knox have some really big games just two weeks ago. And that took away from Cole Beasley. We found them in a rare negative game script this week in the Buffalo Bills that allowed Stefan Diggs, that allowed Cole Beasley, that allowed Emmanuel Sanders all to get home in those environments. But I do think that there is connection, as you pointed out, if Dawson Knox misses time or even has his snaps decrease, crease, then Cole Beasley even has more of a pathway, no matter what the script is, for, that, for him to succeed and be in your starting lineup.
1: Definitely. I fully rebounded. I think that was just a one game, weird game plan. Like exactly what Sean McDermott said. I think a lot of these times these coaches aren't fully lying. I feel like they lie about like injuries, but when they're saying like, Oh, that was game plan related. I feel like a lot of the times it kind of is. So um, Emmanuel Sanders up to wide receiver 33 fantasy usage. Um, The one thing that was like, kind of just like, it's not that big of a deal, but Stefan Diggs' target shares down from 28% to 25% from last year to this year. I think that's been kind of the, the little bit of difference. He still is a positive regression candidate, and I'm not that concerned about Steph Diggs. I would still take him as a top five fantasy receiver for the rest of the way, but it has been a slower start. And I think um, part of that is just Josh Allen was um, regressing a little bit, and they're getting uh, Emmanuel Sanders probably was better than like what John Brown and Gabe Davis were offering. So um, he, he still has got that elite ceiling. I think all of these guys, especially in bye weeks, I think at like Cole Beasley's, as like resurfaced as like an upside wide receiver three, four,
0: especially in full PPR. Did you see Josh Allen say, no, no, no. On yeah. the, and then they did anyways. I thought that was great. That cool was a little good. moment. Cool. little moment that they found. It. Okay. Steelers wide receivers. Cause there's been some major changes over the last few weeks. Juju Smith-Schuster, big change for the whole season, missing it. So there was some thought that if they had a pure slot receiver out there, that would be Ray McLeod. They also have James Washington in the roster who rotated at points in this game. But, Hayden, correct me if I'm wrong, what we saw most of all was Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool on the outside, and just a lot more 12 personnel with Eric Ebron and Pat Fryermuth contributing in this game.
1: The Steelers, uh, through weeks one through five, they uh, used 12 personnel on 8% of their passing plays. Last week, that was up to 63%. And I rewatched it. Chase Claypool was like in and out of the lineup the first like drive or two. But from that point forward, he basically didn't come off the field. He was playing in those very valuable uh, two wide receiver sets. I think you're going to see more of that because they're starting to get something out of Patrick Fryermuth, their second round rookie tight end. And I think that Chase Claypool just had a bad game. Like just he was not beating man coverage a couple times. There's a couple miscommunications. All that stuff's going to even out. They're going to get him the ball. He's super explosive. Deontay Johnson also had a very inconsistent game. Big Ben underthrew him on a beautiful route against man coverage. He also Deontay Johnson got pushed out of bounds too. So th- it's two pretty inconsistent wide receivers, like on a play-to-play basis. But Deontay Johnson could play. Chase K- Claypool could play. And when you remove Juju, there's no Ray, Ray McLeod's not going to get that many targets. And I think that all of this is trending in the right direction for both of those guys. I think that if somebody's
0: panicking about Chase Claypool, I gladly scoop him up. Yeah. But I think it's fair, and Matt Harmon has said this all along that Deontay Johnson is the most dependable player in terms of volume and is going to hit each and every week. I would still say that Chase Claypool's ceiling is immense, phenom, but from a week to week perspective, like no matter what, Deontay Johnson is going to get open and get targets yes. as well. But I, I'm with you, I'm with you on Chase Claypool. You, this is a very pro Chase Claypool show.
1: Deontay Johnson's dot suddenly is up to 10.3 yards this year that's like four yards higher than it was last year so there is a higher ceiling like a yard yardage ceiling for Deontay Johnson too he's winning downfield more than he had I think the last couple years
0: so by weeks this week in the Bills the Cowboys the Jaguars the Chargers the Steelers and the Vikings let's talk about those Vikings receivers really quickly in Adam Thielen we have a post a clip down below on the channel about how great Kirk cousins is playing as a top 10 quarterback this season. And Adam Thielen is benefiting a lot from that aid. I
1: You can make an argument that he looks like a little bit slower, but when they get him going in the screen game and his route running is that good in the red zone. And he had that, like, that fade stop route in the corner where you were saying that Kirk cousins put it right into his face mask, which was completely accurate. He still has these outcomes and he's over the last four weeks. He's the wide receiver, 21 in targets wide receiver, 22 air yards. Even if you make the argument that he's lost a step, like down the field, I don't think it matters that much because Kirk Cousins is balling the hell out. So, um, regular situation, I would call him a, like an upside wide receiver two three. I think that's like at the kind of closer to his floor. Um, and we know
0: that Justin Jefferson's like the alpha of the offense. Talk about Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle had a big, big week six. Um, it's a little bit different than what we've seen from him. Which Cobra set, who again, I believe has the sixth lowest intended air yards per attempt so far this season among all quarterbacks. And I'm showing this from Dwayne McFarland, Jalen Waddle's A dot based on the quarterback he's playing with. With Tua, it's 9.1 yards, which Cobra set is 3.8 yards. I think A dot is a quarterback stat. I think it could be an offensive line stat as well. But I went back and watched a whole bunch of Jalen Waddle from this past week. And Hayden, I, I was impressed. Um, the second touchdown was like a really nifty motion into a fullback alignment. And they like sprint him out to the pylon. He can just beat linebackers or corners, whoever was out there. But there's also this play on third and seven on yeah. Third down far hash outside receiver. Strat Griffin does an awesome job in man to man press coverage prevents him from basically creating any separation, but still despite that tight coverage, Jalen Waddle is able to come down and convert that pass. He is while I thought like his game was going to be winning out in space and yards after the catch, he's kind of winning as a legit wide receiver now, which makes me believe this is production that can possibly last, despite the ridiculous volume that he got this past weekend.
1: I think that there's usage, like this a-dot thing. I think that's this is personnel related. The Dolphins in the first four weeks of the season, they were in 12 personnel on just 21% of their drawbacks. Last two weeks, it's at 70%. And obviously, that's correlated with. Devontae Parker and Will Fuller are missing time. So I think that uh, Jalen Waddle now in, in 12 personnel f- formations is has to get further downfield because otherwise he'd just be running into these tight ends. So I think that um, part of this is for sure. Jalen Waddle, when he's in these two wide receiver sets, like signing me all the way up, it's way easier to earn a target. The routes yards per route runs way better in, in two wide receiver sets. But I think when all these guys come back, you're, you're probably going to see uh, a different projection from Jalen Waddle. But for as long as, as, uh Devontae Parker's shoulders messed up, his hamstrings messed up. You have Will Fuller on, on the men too. I think that that Jalen Waddle has these like massive, massive uh ceilings. And I'm definitely paying attention to what the Dolphins are going to be doing um from this this 12 personnel stuff because we haven't really seen um
0: them do this in the beginning of the season. Talk about Rashad Bateman. First catch, RPO with Devontae, Freeman, and Marquise. Brown in the slot was covered perfectly. So Bateman was kind of like that far hash read and he made someone miss and convert a first down second catch Marquise Brown motions across the formation, occupies the slot corner Bateman again, finds that soft spot between the linebacker and then the stretched cornerback to Marquise Brown. Again, another first down what I'm trying to figure out here with Rashad Bateman. What we saw early on Hayden was, he was used in like those soft areas to like sit and zone coverage. And we know Lamar is just firing and timing those passes perfectly right now. If there's anything expanded out of that in the moment, I, I saw and noticed a lot that he was being used in tandem with Marquise Brown. And that like, that's not the area where Marquise wins a lot of. So as we said in a video that's down below, you can go check it out that this is an added element, a missing piece that the Ravens, despite being awesome already in the passing game already have, I'm just not sure how many big plays we can see. We know he has it in him. So we haven't seen that portion of his game yet. But in week one of him playing, I was really promising to find a little, you know, missing gap in this offense that he can fill immediately
1: he's like a little puzzle piece. Like we have the deep threat. We have the seam stretcher. We just didn't have the guy that could win from the X spot and win on the outside and like on slant routes. And it's a great point you made. Uh, If you're just looking at depth of target last week for Rashad Bateman, four yards, five yards, five yards, six yards, eight yards, 12 yards. And that was like a lot of curls, digs outs, slants, that type of stuff. And that's what this offense really needs. I think that this is great news for, Uh, Lamar Jackson in particular it's just going to be I think a little bit difficult for Rashad Bateman to be a consistent producer just like based off of last week wide receiver 64 fantasy usage Um, I think that he could be a a better real life player than fantasy asset but if the Ravens are going to keep passing the ball more and more and more I think that there's a a chance that he can kind of turn into like a a bi-week wide receiver four for
0: us we have two disappointing wide receivers written down so far this season and AJ Brown, who finally got there this past weekend and Robbie Anderson, anything you want to say about those two players, Hayden?
1: Yeah. AJ Brown, like it's been hamstrings. It's been knees. It's been Chipotle. It's been the whole thing for AJ Brown. I think that he's just going to get better. And like last, last week was season high from him. So I think that it was a terrible start for him, but there's like no reason to expect AJ Brown to slow down, especially with Julio Jones has had a step back. They're saying he's day to day with his hamstring, but Julio's really harder, harder and harder to trust, and A.J. Brown, um, when he doesn't have the diarrhea, he can probably win downfield a little bit easier.
0: Pretty clear how they wanted to use him is getting him over the middle of the field, getting him running, rumbling, and get him the football. When you talk about the Cardinals wide receivers here, though, Hayden, because DeAndre Hopkins, two touchdowns just on three catches, but a disappointment for where you drafted him in the top two rounds in relation to... To, to value. Meanwhile, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, still getting there in this offense. What do you want to say about the Cardinals wide receivers?
1: It's unfortunate that they traded for Zach Ertz because we saw their four wide receiver set spike up to 38% last week and that was at 22% over the entire rest of the season. So that's how you were going to get Rondale Moore more involved. But unfortunately, we're going to see that come back to earth and Christian Kirk uh, took back that job where he ran more routes than Rondale Moore. So, it, it's going to be hard rondo more half literally half of his uh re- receptions or actually his targets have been on screens and he's leading the nfl with 14 screens um so it's just going to be hard for all these guys to be like super reliable we know what the ceiling is for all of them but i think yeah. like the bigger story line is what you said at, at the top it's DeAndre hopkins just the target share all that stuff it's just it's just not there he's been super reliant on um On touchdowns right now, it's like wide receiver seven red zone targets, like wide receiver thirty-seven actual targets, and I think this is because AJ Green's better, Christian Kirk's better than expected, Rondo Moore is just as good as our high expectations were, and harder to in those situations. I think that there's a good theory out there that Kyler Murray has elevated his own game where he doesn't have to lock on to DeAndre uh, Hopkins on the perimeter too. So we know DeAndre Hopkins can ball, but I don't think I'm not going to expect like top eight fantasy wide receiver stuff from them for like every single week for the rest of the year.
0: When you consider what happened last year, 160 targets, it's because he was truly the only outside wide receiver that they had because they were trying Christian Kirk on the outside. And they had Larry Fitzgerald who they're manufacturing touches to in the slot. And JJ points this out from 2014 to 2020, just three games of the target share below 15% in 2021. He already has two with a target share below 15%. And it's because again, AJ green is legit as the right wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins is only playing left wide receiver. And then you have Christian Kirk, who's great in the slot. And you have Rondell Moore as a manufacturer touch player. You don't have to funnel yeah. 160 targets over to the left
1: So I've got a quick theory with Chase Edmonds. I think all of these guys being good is kind of hurting his production as a receiver. And if you just look at EPA per target, all of the receivers are balling out. Christian Kirk, 0.84. DeAndre Hopkins, 0.82. The ghost of A.J. Green's up to 065 and then you have Chase Edmonds at negative 0.27. So every single time that they, they throw the ball to Chase Edmonds, it's an awful play for them because all of their wide receivers are so good. So I think that Ertz coming back and all these receivers doing well, it's hurting Rondell Moore and Chase Edmonds, especially because all yeah. those screens that were would have been going to, to Chase Edmonds are now going to Rondell Moore, who's just a more explosive player than Chase Edmonds.
0: The other part of this is they don't have to change. There's no reason for them to yes, change because they're it's doing working. Really well. Talk about the Bengals. The Bengals also have a wide receiver trio in T. Higgins – Tyler Boyd and Jamar chase only chase is really helping people out there. Hayden, what's his fancy usage? What's his points right now? Because I'm looking and I'll bring this up his charts from the last three weeks. Ex- I mean, he's wide receiver 36 fancy usage. and He's the wide receiver seven in scoring. And it's because look at these route trees. Hopefully people can see this out there. No one in the NFL should be getting home as a top 10 wide receiver with this limited targets with these limited routes but it's because he's already emerging as one of the best deep ball wide receivers in the NFL. And I will, if there's something more than hot, I mean, Jamar chase is running hot on these vertical plays, but I'm not going to try to fade him in those situations. I just continue to bring it up here.
1: He is leading all wide receivers in fantasy points over expected per game. He's averaging 7.5 more half PPR points than what my model expects. He's just like breaking the model right now. And if you, you, you said it perfectly, no one else on the Bengals is doing anything from the passing game. If you look at EPA per target, uh, Jamar Chase is averaging 0.99, T Higgins negative 0.09 and Tyler Boyd negative 22, like 0.22. I mean, it's not even close. If you're looking at where all the production is going to. And I think that the reason why I wanted to talk about these receivers is we have to learn this, the slot only players. It's just a bad bet. Like every single year, it's such a hard bet, a low a dot, a uh, player like Tyler Boyd, who's only playing in three wide receiver sets, the offense has to be so good to keep that person afloat. And even when they do get kept afloat, it's like, you're hoping that he turns into like the wide receiver 25. So like, I think this is a good reminder. Like the slot only players, like you could have them all, I'll go bet on like the alphas um, at Z and X.
0: Marvin Jones, Lavisca Chenault. Alpha. Both did fairly well this past week. Marvin Jones, we know, got a touchdown. We know he got over 100 yards. He's still their number one wide receiver. Now, on paper, LaVisca Chenault got 10 targets for for 54 yards on six receptions. Hayden, I do want to bring up, not to rain on people's parades, but on that game-winning field goal drive, Trevor Lawrence took a sack on second down, so it became third and 20. Defense played all the way off in the Dolphins. So 12 yards to Visca and off coverage and outside breaking route. And that nine yard quick slant to bring them down to one second left for the game winning field goal. So that is production, but without those two plays where he didn't have to beat coverage, which Vizca is not beating coverage right now, he'd really just have four catches for thirty three yards. Yep, I, I noticed that too. It's
1: they, 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 they trotted him out outside again. It was still like eighty percent of his his s- snaps were on the outside. So he'll he'll be he'll be okay. He just like right now, last four weeks, wide receiver forty seven usage, wide receiver forty six. Production so I think that he's a slot guy, but I think that you kind of point out Jamal Agnew
0: is kind of like that speedy slot guy that they're looking for. Which so they crave they crave that right now and they're going to keep putting him out there to me. They are yeah. going to keep putting Jamal Agnew out there. Miko Hardman five catches five targets four catches 62 yards. Is this him developing before our eyes or was it that Tyree kill was in and out of the lineup because he's still injured. He has a career
1: low yards per out run right now, which not great for a third year player and eight out of his 26 receptions have came on screens. So it's, he's not getting open downfield and he did it one time and it was like probably the best play of his career down the sideline where he made that catch. And then like the next quarter, they get him an end around and he fumbles it. So I I just don't think he just, he's just not good enough. Um, So they're not getting Josh Gordon involved, but it's, it's, he's basic McCool Harden's basically
0: Tyree kills insurance. That's it. Two more names. Allen Robinson, we talked about Khalil Herbert. We talked about Darno Mooney in previous shows, who for as much as Justin Fields is not throwing the football right now, Darno Mooney seems to be a preferred target in like the short to intermediate area. I don't know what your eyes are telling you with Allen Robinson. Hayden, he kind of just looks like sluggish to me. He He's looks <laughs> slow. He looks a little lethargic. And I hate saying that about Allen Robinson. But it's I, it's not one of those where I'm just like, oh, he's missing him here. Oh, there's invisible yardage that's not showing up in the box score. I don't necessarily right now see a pathway for him turning around his 2021 season production-wise.
1: He needs to pull Ben Simmons. Like, that's what we need Allen Robinson to do, get get him out of Chicago. Right now, Chicago's averaging 15 pass attempts, 117 passing yards, and 0.5 passing touchdowns per game. 117 passing yards. This is 2021.
0: So, I mean, good night, Allen Robinson. I don't think it's going to happen. Let's close on a legit wide receiver, and his name is Henry Ruggs, Hayden. Uh, Henry Ruggs, just 20 catches on the season, but for 445 yards and and two touchdowns. And it's deep shots. It's outside breaking routes along the sideline. And he's not just outrunning people, Hayden. He's making contested catches. This was on a third and seven play that his quarterback trusts him, and boom, he brings it down to the three-yard line as well we have to love what we're seeing out of henry rugs right now despite not a lot of volume to bake in and bank on each and every week yeah, wide receiver 17
1: air yards wide receiver 56 targets that's a huge gap you never see that and yeah my, my biggest is he just looks more physical and that yeah. was his like off season goal he said he's I, developing yeah he like last year there's a couple times where you get like pushed out of bounds you don't really see that with with henry rugs right now and the contested catches are great and he kind of did that at alabama too like he wasn't just like um, a speedster like there was a, a couple plays where you're like damn like Henry Ruggs can do that and I think that he's kind of putting it together all of a sudden he's he's blowing Brian Edwards out of the water and like yards per and all that stuff like it's a massive gap and I think that Henry Ruggs like turning into a
0: pretty good starter right now okay couple tight ends pick one Darren Waller Tyler Higbee TJ Hawkinson Ricky Seals Jones Dallas Goddard Pat Friermuth pick a few names out of those that you want to talk about quickly
1: I'll go rapid fire. Cause you hate tight. ends. like nothing makes you more upset than the fantasy usage model. When it would come to the tight end section. That's true. Uh, Tyler Higbee, 66 of 60. 60- yeah. I have noticed uh, 66 of 67 snaps last week for, for Tyler Higbee. And that's because Johnny Muntz, who's that like big uh, blocking tight end towards ACL. So uh, the Rams are going to have to decide Jacob Harris is going to be the new number two. They're not going to use a second tight end or they're going to get Bryson Hopkins involved, but either way, I think that Tyler Higby probably projects for even a higher snap share. So maybe that gets him going a little bit. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, when the, the Lions give up more than 23 points per game on defense, he's averaging 9.7 targets per game. When the Lions give up fewer than 23 uh, points per game on defense, he's only averaging 2.5. So that's the negative game script stuff. Uh, a couple more. Ricky Seals-Jones is running around on 89% of drop dropbacks, 14.5 and 6.4 expected half PPR points over the last two games as a starter. He's basically B plus Logan Thomas. And the last one I got for you, Dallas Goddard, if you look at last year with uh, Zach Ertz was not in the lineup, he averaged 12.7 expected full PPR points. And then without Ertz that dropped to 10.9. So uh, last year, if you're looking at it, um, he averaged about two, two more expected uh, full PPR points without uh, Zach Ertz and the Eagles right now are leading the NFL in neutral pass rate. So this is like the Dallas Goddard that we kind of signed up for
0: um, in best ball season. Love that. We just covered about 50 names, an hour and 13 minutes. Hayden knows I have to run. I appreciate all of you sticking here with us. Before you get out of here, please like and subscribe down below. We have another game by game preview show this Thursday. Once again, everyone is freaking out about the bipocalypse, the Bills, the Cowboys, the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Vikings, the Steelers, all those players out. Some good offenses in there. We're going to help you win. We're going to pick out some breakouts on Thursday as well. Go check out the fancy usage model. Go check out Wob's NBA content on this very YouTube channel. And as always, skip the guacamole. Don't be like A.J. Brown. Promo code the show, free $10, use an NBA pick or whatever else, NFL pick as well. All right. Thanks, campers, Shirley, JP, Jake, Chris, all you beautiful people. Subscribe to the damn channel. Up the villa, Hayden. Talk to you all soon. See ya.